0: Hello and welcome to Red Shirts, a podcast about Star Trek. I'm your host, Jake Donaldson, and I'm joined as ever by my co-hosts, Maddie Gowron Churchhouse and Nathan. Go on, ah, uh, go on then, Father Thomas. <laughs> Without further like ado. Some... <laughs> no, go on, before I do the intro, go on, criticise it, go ahead.
1: I was just going to say, is there some like, northeast thing, going, cultural thing that I'm...
0: It's a reference to Father Father Ted.
1: Oh, I don't fucking know Father Ted!
0: How just engage.
2: Oh, Jake looks so cross with you. <laughs> Look, I know. Like, uh, all
1: British comedy ever in the history of time, apart from the goodies, just completely passed me by. Just, well, for
0: a start, it's Irish, so. Uh,
1: <laughs> f- yeah, even even more evidence of my total fucking ignorance. Look, I just don't know shit. Just, let's just accept it.
0: <laughs> it is British, I suppose, because it's the BBC. But um, <laughs> anyway, uh, hello, hi, guys.
1: Hello. How are you? Uh,
0: I'm good. It's my birthday today, guys.
1: Happy birthday to you. How do we say it in Klingon, Nathan? Quick, quick.
0: Oh, quick! I'll find that out. Hang on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, oh. I feel like the Klingons wouldn't—they wouldn't fuck with birthdays in my head. Like they're like. Sojil
2: Tat laugh jash. Oh, thank. Which means literally, may
0: you enjoy your birthday. Oh, thank you. Yeah, Nathan. Klingons
1: do fuck with that. See. May your birthday be with honour.
0: Well, it's not been very honourable so far because at one o'clock, at one hour into my birthday, I was woken up by my cat being sick on my bed. Uh, oh, <laughs> so, and then I was so I spent the first hour of my birthday cleaning cat sick off a of bed while it, oh. while the cat looked at me in the eyes as if to say like Happy birthday." <laughs> <laughs> so that yes, was the right, first you hour. Shit. And I, as you guys know, I live on my own, uh, yeah. and I have to work from home today. So uh, I'm spending my birthday on my own in my flat, uh, yeah. having to work. I, I had to bake my own birthday cake and then light my own candles and blow them out myself oh <laughs> this my morning. God. You're so, painting uh,
1: a picture of a broken man.
0: <laughs> yeah. So this this recording is the this recording is the first uh, human interaction I've had today. So it's uh, oh my god.
1: So it's you nice to even, see you. You haven't even got a, like a message from Jane, like not even.
0: Well, yeah, no, I have spoken to my girlfriend, obviously, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> oh my I God, only got two so birthday crazy. cards in the post as well. I feel like this is bullshit. I haven't even got one off me mum.
1: Oh, Jake's <laughs> mum, what are you playing at? Oh, I'm sure.
0: Sucks. I'm sure she will give me. I'm seeing her later for a meal, so I'm sure she will give me something uh, then. But yeah, anyway, funny. my birthday aside, we've got more important things to talk about. Such as oh, yeah, an yeah. episode of Deep Space Nine that I actually enjoyed.
1: Yeah! Oh, yeah! Conversion! Oh, you liked it! Conversion! Oh, my God. We
0: are, indeed, this week looking at an episode of Deep Space Nine. Uh, it is called The House of Quark, uh, which <laughs> I I didn't know anything about it going into it. Um, I was really excited as soon as it started. It said House of Quark, and f- my first thought was like, oh, it does Quark join a drag house? That would be f- pretty cool. Yeah, my um, first thought was but-
1: House of Gaga. <laughs>
0: um, yeah, is this going to be DS9 does House of Gucci? Is that what this is? Um, but I mean, it- uh, alas, what is it is. <laughs> Nathan's just, no, no, that's not what it is. Absolutely not, (laughs) Well, Well then, Nathan, why don't you enlighten us, Nathan, and tell us the plot of what this is actually about in your patented manner,
2: House of Quark. So, uh, Quark is getting depressed. Business is bad. His sole customer is an angly drunk Klingon. Said Klingon is also out of money, so Quark decides, very briefly, to tough it out. Uh, A fight almost immediately starts. The Klingon draws a knife and, in a tumble, manages to fall and kill himself. Soon, Quark realises that if he sold this as a bar fight, he could make much more money. Rom is a little worried, though, about this, and when Odo asks. Quark puts on a show, telling the story of his great heroic victory. Uh, Meanwhile, Miles returns home and starts complaining to his wife about his day. Turns out that Keiko is uh, closed her school. She just doesn't have enough students. She'll tutor Jake and Nong, but that's all she has, and two students do not a school make. Miles is apologetic, tries to comfort her, but there's not much he can say or do to help, and back at a bustling Quarks, um, Odo is staring. Apparently the dead Klingon is Kozak, head of a powerful Klingon family and house. Odo would like to know, given that new information, does uh, Quark want to change his story? But Quark's a little caught up in his own lie and plans to bribe Kozak's family if they show up. Shortly thereafter, Quark is ambushed by Kozak's brother, Quark tries to explain to this man, Gore, that uh, it was an accident, but such a thing would be a grave dishonor. So Quark keeps to the lie. He says he killed Kozak in personal, honorable combat. That requires no vengeance to satisfy Klingon honor. Um, back with Miles, though. Uh, he's extensively prepared a dinner for Keiko. It's a part of a very irregular celebration um, of your wife's amazing holiday. Um... Anyway, they have sex. Afterwards, though, uh, in the morning, Keiko is still a little sad and unoccupied. Elsewhere, a mysterious Klingon woman appears. Her name is Grilka, wife of Kozak. Quark tells him it was an honourable death. Grilka attacks Quark, who promptly reveals his total lack of combat skill, and Quark admits it's a lie. Grilka knocks him out and kidnaps him. Uh, Quark remains on Kronos, the ancestral home of the House of Kozak. As Kozak died without a male heir, it is revealed that De Gore, who is not his brother but an enemy of the house, um, it means that the whole house is going to fall apart and De Gore will claim it. It transpires that if Kothak had died in an accident without male the council might have given permission to let his wife lead the house. Uh, but as he died in an honourable fight, no such dispensation was granted. Grilka marches in, demands that uh, Quark puts on a ceremonial coat. Soon, they ask repeating Klingon words, she smog- snogs him, then spits. Apparently, Grilka is now married to Quark. Back on DS9, Miles interrupts uh, an officer's meeting. Um, he has a private discussion and to have with uh, Captain Sisko, and Dax recognizes the issues he's having. After all, she's been both a husband and a wife. And so, with some reluctance, Kira is persuaded to exit. Miles has taken... Uh, uh, Mars has been doing a lot for Ke- Keiko, but it's all fluff, so he has an idea. Why don't I convert a Akaga into an arboretum, and if Sisko would allow it, which Sisko is more than willing to do. Back on the Klingon homeworld, Dagor is petitioning can- Chancellor Gowron, but Grelka reveals she's allowed Quark to marry her. Quark suggests that a deal ought to be struck. Dagor lunges, but Gowron silences him. They need to consider this. And so, at least for the time being, rises the newest Klingon house. The house of... What was it again? Quirk? <laughs> anyway, uh, Grelka and Quark argue, and Quark suggests a more equal partnership in their marriage. Grelka explains that Kozak's family wealth is squandered and the house is weakened severely, with debts owed to Degore. Quark wants to see all the financial records. Let's do this the Ferengi way. Back on DS9, Miles is finishing his plans for Keiko's Arboretum, but Dr. Bashir points out that what Keiko needs is not a hobby, but an ability to practice her... A profession again. After all, you wouldn't be happy tinkering in a shed, O'Brien. Meanwhile, Quark finds out that Degore is using financial trickery. An honorless way of destroying a Klingon house! And what is more, Quark can prove it. They both laugh. Quark removes his hand from Grogla's thigh before she shatters every bone in his body. <laughs> uh, Quark presents his finances to the very confused Klingon council, and Garon is sick of it pretty quickly. So he puts the charge. The charge that Degore has used money. ...to bring down a Klingon house. <laughs> the gore demands personal combat... Um, ...and further... Uh, ...presents a witness that shows... ...Kozak's death was an accident. A kidnapped Rom promptly appears... ...as a foresaid witness. Quark tries to leave, but it's stopped. Grylka berates him and says... Uh, "And ...after giving him a piece of his mind... ...says, let Quark and Rom wrong. Quark has nothing but a small piece of latinum down there. The next day, the challenge is underway doesn't look like quark's turning up but then in walks a man quark son of kelgar to answer the challenge of Gore, son of whatever <laughs> quark and DeGore draw their batlets, and at gauron's command quark immediately throws this down quark calls the klingon council out this is an execution everyone knows he doesn't stand a chance so he's not going to make it easy he will just kneel and take it so Gore, you're gonna have to treat it like the execution it is no honor no glory as you wish, Degore moves to attack, but Garon stops him. He's furious. If Degore can murder this pathetic little man, he has no honour. Garon immediately discommentates Degore. Garon is surprised by a brave Ferengian rules. There are definitely enough unusual circumstances. Grilka can lead her house on her own, if that is what she wishes. Grilka is very grateful. He asks Walk if there's anything uh, he would like in return for her house and family name, Walk requests a divorce. Grilka promptly slaps him, insults him, and spits <laughs> on him. He is now divorced. <laughs> but he gets a snog anyway. Back home on DS9, Miles tells Keiko there's an expedition on or she would probably qualify for. It's a six-month posting. She doesn't want to break up the family. They, they agreed when they came here. That's not what they were going to do. But Molly can go with her if she wants, and it's only three hours on a runabout for Miles. He'll manage. They'll manage. And she'll have something to do. Ron tells Quark he is impressed with Quark's Magnificent, but Quark's sad. Business is dropping, he feels he got lucky. But Ron wants to hear his brother's story again, and that's how the episode ends.
0: Thank you, Nathan. Uh, I really enjoyed this episode. I know historically I'm not a big fan of DS9, and specifically I'm not a big fan of Quark, but weirdly, in this episode, I really enjoyed it.
1: I absolutely love this episode. This was an absolute delight. Everything about it was so funny from the opening moment of like Morn pulling this really hot woman and then leaving the bar <laughs> and like all the way to like the moment where uh, you think Quark is going to try and kiss the Klingon and then she threatens to murder him. Like there were so many delightful little humorous touches that it, it was clear they'd actually really yeah really yeah. put effort really put effort into making it funny and it was funny it was great yes
0: yeah well that first scene that you mentioned with mourn is great like I mean especially have having done the who mourns for mourn episode on the podcast and having a bit more context around what sort of the myth around mourn is seeing him leave <laughs> with like that really fit woman and then what is it quark says. Uh, rule of acquisition two eighty six, when Morn leaves, it's all over. <laughs> <laughs> Which I think headcanon is I I my headcanon is that uh, that that is the sort of future space version of the phrase when the fat lady sings. Because like, mm. 'cause they've gone like, oh right, well that's not uh that's like we can't we can't use the phrase the fat lady sings anymore because that's fat shamey and, and body shamey, so we're gonna change it to it's not over until morn leaves.
1: It's not over until morn gets to fuck, right? right
0: <laughs> yeah, but not in the Scottish way. What? <laughs> oh,
1: hey, very funny. <laughs> I was like, eh. <laughs> <laughs> oh. yeah.
0: Um I yeah, I I I really enjoyed lot. There's lots of little jokes in this that are really fun and like and also like like I said earlier, I'm not a big fan of Quark, but n- not normally anyway. But I think I like this episode because Quark isn't very Quark in this episode. Like he's he has a he's conscience. Qu- he has a conscience, and he well, this is
2: how he kind of develops a bit. I think um, he he he's a bit of a boomeranging character, which is a bit annoying. But this is one of the better character. I, like it definitely depends on the writer with him. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, yeah, whether like,
1: they want to bother to show him having, you know, made any effort or attempt to um, yeah, yeah. throw and... Yeah, or if they just want to be like, yeah, sleazy Ferengi, yeah, sleazy Ferengi. But I, I kind of enjoy that there is this typical sort of reiteration that every time you see Quark, he starts off as this jaded, bitter Ebenezer Scrooge, essentially. Um, and then And then by the end of the episode, he's like, okay, I guess... <laughs> being an arsehole isn't okay all the time and then he goes back to being a total wanker next time you see him I'm like that's actually believable that's actually 100% how arseholes and narcissists work in real life
2: he's not completely inconsistent but like what annoys me is that they often make Quark the voice of conservative traditional Ferengi whenever they want another Ferengi character to have some character development but then still do those stories with Quark in them. So it's still very odd. Like, it's like, wait, you learned that lesson, like, two seasons ago, so why are you stopping your brother learning that?
0: Because
1: he's a yeah. narcissist. I think that totally makes sense. He's like, uh, he, he, he he doesn't want to let people... He's like, oh, okay, I did that, and yeah, yeah, sure, okay, maybe I'm allowed to, you know, do this once in a while, because I'm important, but over my dead body am I gonna let my younger you know my innocent younger brother do this do as I say not as I do I actually think I understand what you're saying that it you know it does seem like it totally comes down to writer preference but I do think for the type of person that he is which is like let's be honest a very fucking bad person I think (laughs) it it doesn't totally make no sense at all
2: yeah no for sure um, but like it is a very good story i think and um, in putting it in this block just because i think it's a bit of a lighter version of the same kind of yes. thing well
0: um, that
2: that we've been looking at there are uh, it's a deliberate mirroring of uh uh what scenes of the, the father of the yeah father that, that's one. what
0: i was just about to say like the there are deliberate scenes that are meant to look like the bit in scenes of our father that's kind of like a it's sort of like they're doing a a pastiche of their own show, like you know, oh, like the whole. Oh,
1: I hadn't the, even thought of that.
0: Well, there's like you know the the um, the whole sort of scene in the chamber thing in the courtroom or whatever it's called is that's that's all very similar to the scene of my father the, the bit and like there's the whole the discommendation at the end where everyone turns their back on him and there's obviously like the end of uh, of what happens to. Uh, yeah. to Wharf and Picard and like I think there's also from what I remember reading on Memory Alpha that there's um, there's some deliberate sort of um, mirroring of language as well that's used in it like some of the phrases that oh. that the characters use are, are deliberately taken from that because it's meant to be a bit like a sort of going like well it was serious the first time and this time is a bit of a kind of piss take of what, what we did last time almost um,
1: that's so funny. Yeah. yeah it's, I thought so it was really funny.
0: interesting. And um, interesting fact as well, this is the uh, the last time that we ever see Kronos uh, until um, Broken Bow, the first episode, the, the pilot of oh. um, Enterprise. They never go onto the Klingon homeworld again until then, all the way through oh, wow. DS9, obviously all the way through Voyager because they're yeah. in the Delta Quadrant. But... Um, yeah, I
2: mean I think technically some people like hail in from it. Yeah, but you never see it. Though. Um, but Yeah, you never see it, yeah.
1: Wow. Okay. That is interesting. I feel like that's potentially underused. Um, but yeah, I guess it's kind of funny that every time we go back, it's specifically to see random denizens of the <laughs> you know, of the particular ship or space station of the season. Somehow becoming deeply embroiled at the highest level of the absolutely farcical politics that somehow <laughs> control the entire Klingon Empire. I, I think know. that's so funny.
0: It's like um, this is the only uh, episode with Gowron in it where Worf isn't also in it. It's like Worf is involved mm. in every single important bit of Klingon politics that involves Gowron. <laughs> like, and apart from this one weird thing about a Ferengi, like it is a good point that like everyone in everyone who's like a main character in the series is somehow always involved in the most like important aspects of of galactic that's just how storytelling works but yeah, but there's never, never anything happens off screen that doesn't like that. That doesn't have them involved in it. There's, n- never. It's never like we just start an episode and Picard goes, "Oh, by the way, a war broke out. We weren't sort of involved in it, but we've just been told there's a war on now."
2: No, that definitely right,
0: right. Oh, okay, <laughs> no, that's.
2: On right, now. I'm not having like in in DS9 in the episode where Cisco brings the Romulans into the war. We're told. Like, um, Beta Zed got invaded, right? Like, that doesn't happen where we can see it. I think yeah. what like, jake That's a, presumably quite an important thing that happened. Okay, yeah.
1: I think what what Jake's... What you mean is not, not that, like, nothing important happens in the world of Star Trek that our yeah. characters aren't directly involved in, but that the things that they evolved in, are involved in, are unrealistically important. Like, it's yes. not a case of, like, oh you know quark fell into this thing and then he ends up involved in like the the klingon you know wilmslow parish council meeting and then some minor local government politics involving like a local landowner it's like no it's the council of the empire oh it's like the most important the top tier do you know what i mean i i feel like that's where it could be
0: it's it's it, like it
1: makes it makes the klingons look fucking dumb is what it yeah, does. Yeah
0: <laughs> It's like what well, they they take the piss out of it on the f- the new series of um of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia where the, the first oh, episode right. is uh is it all of these like weird storylines that seem to have nothing to do with anything and then it turns out that the the gang from It's Always Sunny have been directly involved in all of the massive news stories of 2021 in America <laughs> and like they're directly it's like uh, Frank started a hair dye business, and uh, he was the person who gave the hair dye to Rudy Giuliani that ran down his face in that press conference when he was sweating too much. And yes, stuff like that.
1: this is what I'm saying. It's like they, it's like they're the guy from that meme where they're tipping over a <laughs> tiny domino, and then the top domino says 911. It's like,
2: yeah. <laughs> like they are. Way worse series for this problem. Oh, I'm not saying it's a problem,
1: way Nathan. Worse. I'm not criticising it because I fucking love it. I'm just saying that it's. Oh yeah, gone. yeah, yeah.
0: yeah <laughs> that's the thing. We'd have a really boring show if if they <laughs> never got involved in anything. Yeah. I just think it is just very convenient, and I think.
1: Actually, to be you've fair, been summoned to the Klingon PTA. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and to be fair, we, we're complaining about this now, but we also like. We 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 know what happens when they try to do less important political episodes, and you end up with the fucking monstrosity that we watched with uh, (laughs) the unions thing. Yeah, (laughs) the thing that Tom (laughs) B made us watch, and like, you you know, this is better than that. So you know, I'm objectively wrong if I say that. I don't want them to do these kinds of things. I just think it's a funny like sort of trope of all media that like our main characters. In in shows where, like you know, it'd be fine if it's The West Wing and the main character is the president of the United States, then yeah, you'd expect it to all be like that. But like, when your main characters are like, you know, essentially just some bloke some who
1: ship. runs a bar, Al, yeah, Pomer exactly, that's Lord. what it is. It's a it's a <laughs> guy
0: who runs a bar, and he suddenly becomes <laughs> he suddenly gets a direct line to the emperor of the entire Klingon Empire. <laughs> yes. Yes.
2: No, he's merely the chancellor. He's not the emperor, because you remember they have that stupid TNG
0: episode. Oh right, well, fair enough. Yeah, but he's in charge of the empire. The stupid
2: D- D- <laughs> TNG episode where a
0: code clone of Kles appears. <laughs> the it's amazing. Yeah, well, because less is sort of like the um, the kind of indefinite emperor. Like after he dies, he's a bit like yeah, um, internal
1: emperor. Yeah, he's is like it? king. But
0: Arthur. they have yeah, a like, literal clone. He's of like it. Kim Jong Il was, where like he'll be the he, yeah. after he's died, he's still forever the the leader of the country or whatever. Um, <clears throat> or King but yeah, there is a You know, if
1: King Arthur ever comes back, then the whole government just has to resign again. To
0: is that how that works?
1: And, is that not how that works? I, mean, I hope that's how that works.
0: <laughs> I think he should have to challenge Boris Johnson to a... No, that should be oh. what the Tory, the Tory leadership contest should be. Who can pull a sword out of a stone? And, then, <laughs> <laughs> and whoever does it and then gets to rule Gets the their country. own head chopped off. Yes, <laughs> whoever can pull a sword uh, out of the stone that is Pretty Patel's heart, then Ooh. you, then you're allowed to rule the. Then country you get
1: for a deported bit. for want to Rwanda.
2: <laughs> yeah, but the stone would break because they'd have privatized it.
1: Oh! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, back to Star Trek. <laughs> uh,
2: <laughs> yeah. Um, um. Yeah, no, it's it's a really fun episode. I really like. You know, I really like the way Quark treats the gore in that, like, mm. um, thing. Especially when he calls him son of whatever. Yeah, that's the... Because ma- I don't know if Quark realises it, but, like, that must be a massive insult. Yeah, that's, point, like, a God, huge right?
0: diss. Like,
1: and it's such a funny yeah. line as well. And it, it came yeah. across, like, it's quite un-Star trek It's almost like... Like, I, this is, you know, now in 2022, this is going to sound like an insult. But it's almost wedding-esque in the way that it's kind of, sort of, like flippant and like yeah, irreverent yeah. and undermining the 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 seriousness of what's going on around him, but it but it works so well because I'm like Quark literally would not know who he is and would not give a fuck, so this is very on brand.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's really good. It's it's the way he says it as well. It's not like a kind of, it's not like he's forgotten. He's doing. He's deliberately saying it that way, but I think he has forgotten as well. But then oh, it's yeah. not like he's going son of uh, whatever. He's he's going son of whatever like you know, <laughs> yeah like Vicky Pollard like you <laughs> like, might as well be like you know are you of... Prime Minister are you
1: Prime Minister are you Prime Minister <laughs> are you, whatever are
0: you, are you the Chancellor are you the Chancellor of the of the clear
1: empire? of Empire the is he the but Emperor is he the Emperor though but <laughs> I'm a bother though I'm a bother I ain't bothered look at my face look at my <laughs> you you pay talk you are without honour, look at my face Is my face bothered, <laughs> I ain't bothered Kalesh, Paytark, bothered Honour, I ain't bothered Kronos, <laughs> bothered, do I look like I'm bothered I ain't bothered Oh
2: that's amazing oh. Um, I mean I also love uh, Another like amazing moment we're getting This is uh, Klingons doing maths and a Oh yes, my god, she... um, Garon's <laughs> which...
1: skull Looks like it's about to explode Because yeah. he's like Metal yeah.
2: bastard and then, like one of them has it upside down. <laughs> really?
1: like,
2: it's
0: so it was very reminiscent of when I try to do maths. Uh, like I feel <laughs> like that's the closest I get to being a Klingon is n- not really understanding maths or caring about numbers.
1: Oh my god! But you know how funny it is the way that like they're so appalled by the fact that you know that maybe people should have even have their accounts. Like the way what's the name of the Klingon lady? Yeah. The way she says, you dishonour us by speaking of these filthy ledgers. And I'm like, oh my God, how, for the love of God, how do they run an intergalactic empire when they <laughs> don't have spreadsheets? I don't get it. <laughs> Klingons are so fucking insanely dumb. I just
2: Presumably, don't... like, they've conquered... Um all the races to do spreadsheets for them that's how their imperialism works. Ah,
1: they outsource all of their like bureaucracy so you you think <laughs> yeah. you're gonna like have
2: maybe that's why they allied with the federation because i bet the federation could do bureaucracy oh, well like yes. in that alliance agreement is you will do all of our paperwork
1: <laughs> <laughs> and we will just stab each other <laughs> you like you like call up klingon like the klingon embassy expecting to you know be shouting that down the phone like I need a new visa. I will fight to the death, and when I win, I will dip your blood on, on my passport, and that's how I'll get my visa. And then instead, it's like a pack lead picking up the phone, like, "Oh, <laughs> I'm doing the Oh, you wouldn't the want the pack leads to do embassy. it, though. <laughs> <laughs> oh god. You
0: wouldn't. No one wants to put the pack leads in charge of, of admin, though. There'd be, there'd be so many errors. <laughs>
1: Oh, my God. It would just slow everything down, though. It would kind of, you know, stymie any progress, which would benefit the people at the top of the pile. So. That's
0: true. Maybe that. Mm. Do you think the packlets are actually in charge of the civil service now?
1: Do you yeah, think that's why
0: well. it takes so long <laughs> to get a new passport?
1: Yeah, probably.
0: Packlet. Packlet. Passport. <laughs> Blue.
1: <laughs> you know what it would be like? It would be like the sloth in Zootopia yes. when the, when the sexy bunny tries to go and get her driving license or whatever it is and then he's just like nyeow, boing, nyeow. ha ha Judy that was very funny. yeah uh, someone tries to start, right? they
0: they get a they get like a tax return in from somebody and it's it's got some stuff that they're meant to that they shouldn't be claiming for on it and the packlets like have to press a button and the the thing comes on, going red alarm, <laughs> red alarm, because <laughs> because yeah. they have detected alarm. some. What do you think?
1: <laughs> what do you think the Klingon IRS would be like?
0: <laughs> did you Probably guys see pretty much the same as the normal IRS I would imagine
1: well I was going to say did you guys see everything everywhere all at once because if you yes, didn't you need to I watched yeah. it yeah. so, last like it's, you know, it's
0: fucking mental it's I love it it's
1: phenomenal absolutely phenomenal but like going to the IRS and then the IRS auditor immediately trying to murder you and your entire family I'm like that's what Klingon bureaucracy is like
0: that would be so I, to be fair I could see Jamie Lee Curtis playing a Klingon that would be great
1: oh yeah definitely yeah.
0: that um also, like, just while we're on it, uh, this is Star Trek adjacent. How good is Michelle Yeoh in that film? Oh, amazing! Oh, yeah. ah,
1: she's just phenomenal. But like, the whole cast was just mind blowing. I don't think I've ever been made to cry by like a still image of two rocks before. Like, <laughs> didn't me to sobbing tears, but it absolutely did. that the like, they will kind context free, so it's not a spoiler. I'm never going to be able to look at googly eyes without bursting into like screaming, crying ever again. I,
0: the Just bit saying. that made me cry was related to Rakakuni. Oh,
1: Rakakuni! Rakakuni would be laugh so much. Because Alex didn't go to see it with me and he keeps being like, Rakakuni, what are you talking about? It's Ratatouille. And I'm like, it's Rakakuni, it's Rakakuni. <laughs> He's got no
0: idea. Yeah, listen, listeners, if you've not seen Everywhere, Everything, Everything Everywhere all at once, uh, what the fuck's
1: wrong with you go watch it it's on, it's it. on so amazon good. prime
0: now it's it's really good uh, <laughs> and it, yeah and it, obviously it has star trek alumnus uh, michelle Yeoh in it and she's great so Hell i would absolutely yeah. recommend that as a film is so good um but back to this um speaking I, of can,
1: sexy powerful women though how yeah amazing let's talk about is Grilke. Grilke.
0: She's She's great. Yeah. She's really good. She comes back again as well later in the series. (gasps) Yeah.
2: She comes back. She comes back in the episode where, um, uh, looking for Palmach in all the wrong places. Where, um, uh, like, basically what happened. Basically, to summarize that episode, what happens is, um, Wolf Caesar gets real, like, horny for her that is shocked when, like, Quark goes over (gasps) and is spread to her. And, um, things transpire that Quark needs to win an, like, honour duel for Grilka. So what they do is have um, Worf, like, like basically puppet Quark and and win the fight. Oh my god. Um, and then he's he's all, like, and, and Dax is all there, like, watching him and he's all, like, annoyed that they... that, like, uh, basically Quark and Grilka get to bang after that. He's like, <laughs> I did all of that! <laughs> and so Dax is just, like, attacks him with a sword so that they could go have sex and then... And then there's this really great scene where both Quark and Grilka and then shortly after Dax and Worf uh, walk in um, and uh, Bashir goes like to the first of them, what happened? And then they look at each other and he's like, I don't want to know. And then the other two walk in and he's like, you know what? I'm not going to ask the question. I'm just going to treat people's injuries and not worry about it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's fantastic. I'm so glad she comes back. I thought it was a really interesting microcosm of... Klingon culture to see that they have what essentially seems to be like a Viking style culture where they have a very like patriarchal land and house system however feminist in that you can immediately divorce like women have total power over unilateral divorce like on the spot um, and that women are able through physical prowess to take the same roles as men and, like, be respected as head of the household in their own right. So it's, like, this weird combination of, like, deeply patriarchal, but also then having those kind of mm. legal, kind of legal basic rights for women that do enable, like, like, at least some modicum of equality. Well,
2: and all of this comes out of a strange set of decisions. So in TNG, in the episodes we've skipped with the Civil War, they wanted a puppet successor to Juras, like Mm -hmm. someone who could be manipulated. Then they were like, oh, well, because that's all part of a Romulan plot thing. And so they had like him have a young son. And then they were kind of realizing, it's like, oh, well, the problem we have here is now there's no face for the Klingon part of this story, and we can't really do any reveal in this two-parter. So we need some Klingons that don't have the power to do the challenge themselves, so they concluded that like, it's male-only succession. So basically, there's this young son who the two very powerful, very good Klingon villains, um, Berta and Lursa, who blow up the Enterprise in uh, Generations, oh my
1: God, I love them. <laughs> are
2: um, are introduced, but they can't rule the house on their own, they need a figurehead. Oh,
1: amazing.
2: Um but then the DS9 writers were like, oh, well, now we're in a corner where it's like this patriarchal society and we'd like to do more with Klingon women. So they steadily introduced this idea that there are traditional gender roles, but they're kind of equally powerful. So in that, to use a metaphor, the Klingon male head of the household is foreign policy and um, the F- Klingon females the domestic policy because there's a whole episode of DS9 where Dax is struggling to impress uh, a Klingon matriarch that she has to impress in order to marry Worf because she gets mm. like final say over right. all the weddings and marriages and, and so on and you know she's allowed to control the land and all of that kind of stuff um, so yeah they try and do a lot of stuff to, so, to kind of redress the balance in ds We're getting and closer and, and closer
0: to Pretty Patel turning out to be an actual Klingon. <laughs> yeah. Oh my
1: god. It's so true. Like, that is very... Yeah, I'm, I'm sticking with what I said like seven times now. It's totally Viking. It's very, very Viking. Those like segregated, strict gender roles, but still that like level of mm. ability and power in different spheres, like empowerment in different spheres and, like, physical prowess being, like, valued equally amongst men and women, although men are the ones that are expected to fulfil those roles more yeah. often.
0: And I think Grilka, in particular, is a really good example of a sort of a strong female character who uh, is still... You know, it's not... She's not a female character who is trying to be a man. He's, you know, she's not trying to Sort of be it, it. Her her struggle in this isn't to like to try and overcome the patriarchy. It's it's just to to win a legal battle essentially. Like th- th- there's yeah, no. It's to
1: get her dues. It's like you know. Yeah, she just wants her plot of land. That yeah, she right doesn't to have to convince.
0: She doesn't have to convince them that even though she's a woman, she should get it. It's like you know. It's just yeah. she has just to prove that she's got the right to have it, which is you know that that which is quite interesting because you think like they could have easily made it a kind of like oh she's a woman so she's not allowed it but there's this weird loophole where she can get it this way but it's not that the the loophole is just for the family to retain it it's not specifically for her to get it as a woman yeah Um, it's, it's
1: it's a story where like i think this you often see this kind of in fantasy and historical fiction i think where like a woman is like advocating for their own personal Safety and comfort and wealth and mm. their own rights um, but it's like a very personal story of liberation it's not any kind of actual structural or st- systemic challenge like at no point in this is Grilke saying it's not fair that I should even have to do this because you know a woman should just be at the head of a house anyway like there's no questioning of authority like, I always think of this as Pride and Prejudice as the classic example where you know Lizzie is like on an individual like neoliberal level mm. this feminist woman who she wants happiness, she wants safety, she wants pleasure she wants kind of the privilege that is rightfully apportioned to her within the laws and the morals of the deeply patriarchal and conservative society that she belongs to and ultimately like doesn't in any way want to challenge if that makes sense
0: yeah definitely yeah Like, yeah, I I agree with you. This, uh, I was going to try and make a point, but then I was like, there's no point me as a man just then repeating the same thing that a woman has just said and making it sound like it was my own point, (laughs) especially in a conversation about do, And then I'll
1: challenge you to a fight to the death.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no, you would definitely win as well. (laughs) That's the (laughs) scary
2: thing. I'd take the Ferengi way and go on hashtag cancel.
0: can we talk about some of the great quotes that we get from Grilka in this? Like, uh, where... Yes, please! Where she she says to a quark... uh, put this on and he goes, Why? And then she goes, Because if you do not, I will kill you. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just like, yes,
2: come on, mate. <laughs> oh my god. And also they're like, Quark, I'm very grateful to you, which is why I'm gonna allow you to remove your hand from my thigh without breaking it. <laughs> yeah. That was so
1: funny. And Quark's reaction where he's like, nah, ha, 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 ha. and she's like, ha ha, ha 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 and they're both laughing, but it's like, I know that you know that you know that I know that I don't really find this funny and I will kill you. <laughs> It's so
0: good. It's so good. <laughs> it is great. Like and like, she's such like a, she's such like a chaotic, good kind of energy. Like,
1: yeah. Like at
0: the end, where she's like. She's like, I can give you a, I can give you a divorce right now, and then she just slaps him, and then immediately <laughs> and he's just like, a bit of warning would be nice. And then she just grabs him and then immediately snogs his face off, and like, yeah, it's... she's like,
1: she's very, I love that she's very undevious. She wears her heart completely on her sleeve, and like, hmm. oh yeah, she's this kind of very, brash is not the correct word to describe a cling on. It's so much logarithmically more than that, but like, I guess. <laughs> aggressive she is this extremely aggressive Klingon but she's very there's no duplicitousness about her she's very very honest and down to earth about what what she wants out of the situation and she's willing to work together with Quark in this to get it and she's happy you know there's no sense of underhandedness or that she's going to betray him in some way she's just like I want this I'm going to use you to help me get it let's work together like you know, make this work for both of us. I, I really like that. I think it's a very admirable character trait, that kind of honesty. Mm. It's very Klingon. It's very Klingon, yeah. actually, yeah, isn't it? For it's sure. very honourable.
2: Yeah, yeah, she's a good exact. I hadn't really thought about it like that. Like, she's everything the gore isn't in this episode. She manages yeah. to, like, really show what a shit he Because, <laughs> like, you know, our first introduction to Dagor really is when he's lying about who he is. Right? Like, he's he's not prepared to do, you know, anything serious. He was never prepared to mm. fight. Um, no, he wasn't even prepared to fight um, Kozlek, and Kozlek was a drunken arsehole. Yeah. Like, the, yeah, the, he's
1: so The criticism I have. I'll go on, Jake. The
0: criticism I have about some of these. Um, Thing on episodes is that I think they often have, have they, they have this character who who might be called something different in each episode, but it's always the same basic character um, who is a Klingon with no honor, who is duplicitous, like you say, and who is like the main villain of that episode. Like he's trying to like get something out for himself or for his family or whatever by not being honorable. And like in this episode, it's. Uh, whatever his name is uh DeGore. and then in in the episode that we've just looked at it was um uh what's his face the you know the the one who Duras, yeah and there's there always seems to be one of those kinds of klingon characters in all of these klingon storylines that involve sort of family honor and stuff like that and it it, it <coughs> feel it just sometimes feels a little bit like they're going okay well this is the, this is the plot we have that Klingons do and we'll just do it with different characters this time. Um
1: Well, yeah. I uh, wonder if it might on, be on, a commentary as like an as like an in-world answer. A commentary on how the Klingon system of honor is actually really easy to take advantage of if yeah. you even have mm. the slightest amount of Uh, Cunning, I I suppose. Like, if there's even like 5% Slytherin in you, you can completely manipulate the the scales of honor because it's all based on, it's not based on any formal checks and balances. It's all based on personal integrity. So, like, it's completely Mm. malleable. I think maybe it's like, you know, maybe the fact that this kind of similar plot of like a sneaky Klingon fucking with the system and then them having to solve things comes up over and over again is that because actually the Klingon system is rife. With corruption, because it contains so few checks and balances, and like they have just said in this episode, they don't give a shit about democracy. They don't give a shit about like taking care of their finances and dotting the I's and crossing the t's. So, I'm I'm just it's astonished that the empire isn't in shambles. I mean, I mean maybe it maybe it is maybe that that's like red shirt's head color. The Klingons are barely hanging on this entire time, but the but like the outworld explanation for me would be that. Not that this this is the standard plot they have for Klingons and they keep repeating it, but more that like engagement with honourable Klingons who conform to the standards of Klingon society is actually doesn't make for good drama and intrigue because there's absolutely no intrigue involved with engaging with someone who does exactly what they say and says exactly what they mean. Yeah, all the that's time. true.
0: Yeah, that's fair enough, I suppose. Yeah, and maybe I'm being unfair because they do put them in different situations, like, you know, the, like the the plot, and like we said, this is this episode is meant to be a pastiche of of an original episode, anyway. So, like, it's obviously going to have similarities in the in the the characters and the their motivations, I suppose. Um, so maybe I was a little bit harsh, but I I do think it's the kind yeah, of thing that they could do though. that they run the If we scoff. watch
2: a couple more, because. Because this is an outlier, but if we watch a couple of the other Klingon politic episodes with uh, General Martok and Gowron in DS Nine, they definitely aren't doing that yeah. there. But I'm not sure which, what to do with those. Maybe I should do the um, like the episode on the Rotoran when uh, Martok first takes command of that. That's very interesting. Um, basically, Martok's just escaped. Prison camp, and he's a bit unsure of himself, and he doesn't. Oh, so that how sounds to be interesting. unsure, commander on a Klingon ship. Yeah, that sounds interesting. We um, could do that, and, and Worf has to go help him. Yeah, all right. I'll do that. We'll do that one next, and then maybe we'll do we'll do Garon's comeuppance, and that'll be it for Klingons. We,
0: anyway. we could maybe. We're skipping over and we we anything do that a Gowron. Gowron. Anything that involves
1: Gauron. Anything that involves Gauron will make me so happy.
0: Yeah, we'll do a we'll do another Gowron. Maybe we could do a Klingon-heavy episode of the first series of uh, Discovery, maybe, because we haven't done Disco in a while. Ooh, yeah. Yes. Um, in a way, it's a shame that we did uh, Wedge-Dudge earlier in, in the, the run, because that would have been quite a good one to do in this run. But, uh, but I digress. Um, would you like an interesting fact about this episode? tell um so on the set of this episode when they were filming um the uh the 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 late great uh professor um stephen hawking turned up on set (gasps) uh, for a a tour of the of the show because obviously stephen hawking was a big star trek fan um uh, even has a cameo in. He TNG. does have a cameo in TNG he, when he's playing what? poker with Data. Yeah, he plays poker with Data. Um, <coughs> Data plays poker with Stephen
2: Hawking, uh, Albert Einstein, and Isaac Newton. And uh, Stephen Hawking is playing. Yeah. Himself. Oh my god! It's
0: great.
1: Oh my god,
0: that's so wonderful. But um, he, yeah, he came to the set to watch this episode being filmed. Um, so there were, there's lots of sort of interviews with the cast in various things where they say like they were. They were filming a scene, and then they looked up, and there was uh, there was smoke, like on in the studio that had been put in for the the Klingon scenes on Kronos, where it's always a bit smoky. And then they saw the smoke part, and then Professor <laughs> Stephen Hawking rolled through on his wheelchair, like he was sort of, like he was on Stars in Their Eyes or something.
1: Such a bamf! Do you think he rolled onto the set and was like, out of the way, bitches? Pour me yeah. another glass of blood wine.
0: <laughs> I think that's exactly what he did, yeah.
1: <laughs> oh, my God. He could have done yeah. the calculations for them in the Ferengi le- in the, in the ledgers. <laughs>
2: that would have been good.
1: <laughs> just drive, like... Driving. Do you
2: want to hear anything else about financial mergers. Well, if you... Uh, it's really a very simple calculation. <laughs> I can tell
1: you all about black hole mergers. Instead, <laughs> just, like, driving into the middle of the Klingon Council. Oh, my God. And then just fucking like speed rolling up behind the evil Klingon and knocking him flat on his ass with his wheelchair. Yes.
0: There's a yes, photo. There's a photo that I'm going to send to you. Um, hang on.
1: I'm very excited to see it. Before we do wrap up, I would like to just very briefly touch on the B plot of the episode. Um, which I actually really, really enjoyed, even though it was totally irrelevant thematically to what was going on with Quark and Grilka. I loved the marital tension that they showed between Miles and Keiko. It was so honest. It was so sweet. And I was like, holy fucking shit. I literally, I'm sorry to say that until this episode, I genuinely thought Miles was the most boring character in Star Trek. And I just <laughs> well, it, didn't he is. give a fuck about him. <laughs> After this episode, I'm like Miles is the best husband in all Star Trek history. This was such a wonderful, amazing display of like, of like the opposite of toxic Klingon masculinity.
0: <laughs> well, so like, the, the writers specifically wrote so, Keiko, and, and like, I was just gonna say, um, I think. Uh, so the, the writer specifically wrote Keiko out of the story for six months so that they could focus on a relationship between Bashir and uh, and Miles O'Brien because they wanted to try and like cre- make that friendship more of a thing. Um, so that's why Keiko's not in it for six months um, because they I think they realised that O'Brien was a bit sort of, of a dud and they wanted to give him more storylines that were kind of directly related to the main cast.
1: Oh, great. Hmm. So what they're saying is actually this episode in which miles o'brien is a good feminist husband <laughs> was actually just an excuse for them to sexistly write out their woman of color character for six months so they could focus on two men yeah uh, because apparently it's boring think. to watch men behave in a positive way towards their significant others
0: <laughs>
1: <sighs> i i did really enjoy sure it and i is, thought
0: for
2: the series as a whole
1: this uh, you can't see me because I've turned my video off, but there was an expression of deep sarcasm on my face, Nathan. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> All
2: right. Right. Well, I'm not I'm not having that one. You can't turn off your video so that you hide <laughs> your face and then, and then at the autistic person for not getting <laughs> like, I've devolved even the tiniest bit of clue you get, and now I'm gonna berate you for it.
1: No context but Yeah.
2: No. For you, uh... autist. <laughs> Uh, what's new
1: uh, I really liked this conversation with um, Cisco as well like how yeah. wholesome was that and it just I know Jake's gonna say oh boy is he not over his dead wife yet <laughs> but it was so clear that Cisco was thinking about his wife when he's like you need to value her in the time that you have together whatever's gonna make Keiko happy let's do it because marriage is important I was like
0: Yes, Cisco. I awesome like, Captain. I liked Kira in that. I liked Kira. Yeah. In that. <laughs> <Right. Yeah. laughs> Kira was just, but Dax. Dax is uh, like, we we need to make a
2: graceful exit, and uh, Kira's just like, well, that sounds like a human thing. And Cisco's just like, well, I'm yeah. sure
0: she'll explain it to you K- on Ki- your way. Kira out. saying that sounds like a human thing is it, it's got Big Nathan saying that sounds like neurotypical <laughs> bullshit to me. Vibes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. yeah
1: but also like amazing queer line from dax about being like when she's just like i've been a husband and i've been a wife i've been on both sides of this argument i was like you my sexy gender fluid worm <laughs>
0: yeah. Um, yeah. shall we move on to the final questions the big important questions for this yes. episode yeah okay so First of all, uh, who in this episode would we most like to see wearing a fez? Ooh. I think it's difficult, but...
2: Imagine Gowron yes. in the throne with the thing, with the financial...
1: Every time they do maths, they have to put on the, the fez of calculation.
0: <laughs> the maths fez! The on, the, the, maths is dishonourable. Get the fez. <laughs> I love the idea that, to them, a, a, a maths fez is like the equivalent of a dunce cap. Like it's. Yeah Oh, oh, oh! No, the fez is a sign of
2: your being discommodated. Yes. <laughs> so at the end, when Garron does his yeah. thing, one of the Klingons grabs de and pulls him out, and de doesn't wear it up until the point they put yeah. a fez on him. They,
0: yeah, they cross their arms, they turn around, and then one person has to like back towards them without making eye contact and then pop <laughs> a fez on his head without being able to see what and he's doing and then a
1: little hatch opens in the floor and he falls through <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mention, and then when he falls through mention. the hatch the
0: fez stays in the air for a second before it follows him <laughs> yes. like a cartoon <laughs> yes
1: yes honorable mention though i think stephen hawking should have worn a fez at oh the absolutely stage. yes
0: yeah i know he's fez not in the episode but well we, to be fair we don't know we don't know that he wasn't wearing a fez on the set he, so there's, there's the oh one God, photo so there's the one photo that I sent you where he's not wearing a fez in that photo granted but he might have taken it off for the photo we don't know I he wasn't wearing a fez come on guys
1: I think that's how to add to how Klingons get discommodated. I think you get the fez on and then Stephen Hawking ceremonially, like, (laughs) runs you over in his motorised wheelchair, (laughs) (laughs) knocking you through the floor.
0: (laughs) So the next Mm. most important question is the Klim question. A Klim is a space Karen, so who in this episode is most likely to want to speak to the manager? Mm. Hmm. I mean, Degore, I think...
1: Degore
2: is a bit, yeah...
0: Uh,
1: maybe Quark when it's he's not, been married again I would say
0: maybe a little A little bit, yeah What about o- O'Brien wanting to talk to Cisco When he's in the middle of a meeting
1: That is he oh. No, because he's trying to do good
2: because he's not being unreasonable and he offers to leave. Yeah. Right. What well, about Kira not, not wanting to leave to the meeting. He's to
1: get fired.
2: Oh, Kira, yeah. No, Kira, yeah. you're right. She doesn't leave when it's just been... It's like, you've been asked to go. Yeah, and she's though. like, no, <laughs> this
0: is my time. I'm, I'm entitled to be here. She's being quite kind yep. I think. Agree. Yeah, okay, fair enough. Um, okay, and then, finally then, the big question. Uh, who in this episode is most likely to have tried to suck their own car <laughs> Degore, probably. It probably is Degore, isn't it? Or... Quark's, Quark's a bit that way inclined, I about? I, think, I was going to say Morn, but he's got that woman that he takes off with him. Yeah. Yeah, well, Morn needed yeah, Morn, Morn balls. Balls. Uh.
1: Also, I think, technically, Quark... Not because he sucks his own penis, but I bet he tries to like lick his own ears. I bet the Ferengis <laughs> try to umox themselves. And that's yeah. like performing self-fellatio.
0: Yeah, they definitely do, yeah. Like I imagine they do it like a cat does when he's trying to clean its face. Like they lick their oh. own hands and then like rub themselves over <gasps> the ear. <laughs> 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 um yeah, I think that's very it's quite a difficult one for the uh, for that question i think but i think if you were gonna go for someone it was probably it'd probably definitely be de gore but i mean as we discussed last time maybe galron maybe that's why his eyes are poking out that much because of the strain it takes to th- the intercranial pressure that comes from bending <laughs> over that might be what gives him the googly yeah. eyes but uh <laughs> But I think that's all for uh, for the important questions for this week. It was a good episode. I enjoyed this one. Um, we'll be back again Yay. next week to do another Klingon episode. I don't know which one it'll be yet, but we'll make a decision and uh, surprise you with that next week. Uh, but... Uh, all that's left to say is uh thank you for listening you can join us on social media follow us on instagram and twitter at RedShirtsCast, or send us an email redshirtscast at gmail.com and um, despite the fact we nathan pointed out that we got an email about three months ago from somebody that i just didn't reply to so uh sorry about that guys <laughs> um but we will uh, we will reply to your emails if you send them um uh, also as well uh I'm doing the Edinburgh Fringe Festival in August 2022. Uh, it's only a couple of weeks away now, so if you're going to be at the Fringe in 2022 uh, in Edinburgh, then come and see my show. It's called Neurotica. It's on at 12 noon uh, every day dur- during the festival at Cabaret Voltaire. Uh, other than that, um, live long and prosper, uh, and goodbye, and happy birthday to me.
1: <laughs> happy birthday Bye. to you, you honourless talk
0: <laughs> Uh, Bye, guys.